What's up, y'all? This is your host, Woody Woodbeck, and welcome to an all-new episode of the podcast that tackles all the things What's Up, Woody. This week's conversation is with none other than Alon Hall, the chef that won Top Chef Season 2 and has gone on to do some pretty remarkable stuff, from hosting his own show called Knife Fight, opening restaurants, and he's currently a guest judge on Netflix's Easy Bake Battle, hosted by Anthony from Queer Eye. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Woody Woodbeck and what's underscore up Woody on Instagram and what's up Woody one on Twitter. For all things about this podcast and past episodes, check out what's up Woody.com. Here is Alon Hall. Hi. Oh, hello, friend. <laughs> that was difficult. <laughs> and it didn't need to be, Alon. It no, did not need to be. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Woody? It's so good to see you. Your background is nice. You're looking handsome as ever. Do you Thank age you. at all or no? No. No. <laughs> what's what's um, in, what do you put in your water in the morning? Because I would like um, to know. Tons of cocaine. No, um, <laughs> no, I no, nothing. Actually, to be perfectly honest, I was quite unhealthy for a while. And only in the past like seven, eight months, I've really been on a kick. Okay. No, no booze. Not not in any sort of you know sure, religious sure, sure. way. And I'm sure. not a I'm not a sober person if you catch my drift, but not sure. um no uh no, I'm trying to trying to be clean, work out, exercise. I don't know. I feel like I I used youth as an advantage when I was younger to, you know treat my body badly i mean i don't i don't think i made irreparable damage but um you know i and i just feel like i'm 40 you know going on 70 and i i just need to i want to stay around stay Uh around yes for a while completely understand truthfully i had all of those revelations during covid because covid really fucked in my head to be very honest and it just put me in this really like weird dark like just place that I and for somebody that's so optimistic and like eternally optimistic and like probably Mm -hmm. to a fault it really put me in like such a negative space to where I was like this isn't it wasn't a reality to me in a lot of ways so I had to take a step back and I started therapy and just did a lot of things for myself where I realized holy shit okay I'm not myself at this time. And I made a lot of those same changes. I just had to, because yeah. it was like, you felt completely lost. And and I think that it wasn't, I don't think a lot of people actually admit that. Like really, when you look yeah. at what we were forced to do as a society and really like take out of that, take that human connection away, you didn't realize yeah. like how much it actually mattered to people. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, it's affected so many people in so many ways. I'm sorry. One hundred percent, and 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 I'm I'm sure uh, you know that your community, especially the restaurant um, community, was harshly affected by COVID. Yes, I mean I think I not only harshly affected, I think changed forever. Yeah, I think that you know I was ta- I mean I talk every day to different chefs and friends of mine from around, and um and it's just you know I was ta- yesterday I was talking to a chef who runs multiple fine dining places, and the place where business is doing the worst right now for their company is in New York, you know, in Midtown, the, the effect of Midtown shutting down and now people are back, but they're back Tuesday through Thursday. You know, there people have, have Mondays and Fridays, you know, they're, they're in for these sort of partial things. And I don't know, 
I don't know what will change that. I know a lot of companies are making people come back into their office jobs, but I mean, it's affected us in LA at our ramen shop. I mean, you know, Grand Central Market during the week, that used to be our bread and butter. And now it's, you know, we're lucky if we get, you know, if we get, if we're doing 50% of sales of what we would normally do on a, you know, there used to be tons of people for jury duty and, and all the office buildings that are up, up Angel's share, uh, Angel's flight are, um, you know, they're at 40% capacity, 30% capacity, if that, and, you know, people are just using delivery and apps and yeah, I mean, I'm not going out as much. I'm, I'm, I cook a lot of food, you know, at home. I was, I have some, I think I, people ask me where to go out all the time. And I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> ask, <laughs> right. ask stockbrokers and like, you know, yeah, cool that's people. so interesting. That could be an interesting crossover for a social media account as like a stockbroker mm. who like gives yeah. restaurant <laughs> restaurant tours. Honestly, it'd be it'd be way more. But I don't know. Even stockbrokers, I feel aren't aren't. They all live in Connecticut now. Yeah, oh. that is true. A lot, a lot. Of, it's so interesting because really, when I when I take uh, a step back and look at the, uh, the cities that have really changed, Los Angeles and New York overall just yeah. everything about it is just completely different well like, yes and no i mean there's part there's parts of it you you know down you once you once you go sort of honestly i would say i guess i mean in that nightlife restaurant world yeah. probably more than anything else you know yeah. I, I worked in nightlife for a very long time and you know i when i went to la last time i was working on a documentary and i was out there it was a while ago now but you know it was maybe a year and a half after covid and i just was like oh my god everything was closed and just like yeah. boarded up and it's it was wild to me how much of that really changed in new york yeah. kind of the same way i was talking about this just in general with broadway too because you know, we've been seeing so many shows open and then they win Tony's and then all of a sudden they're closing. And yeah. I, I, you know, I was talking to one of my friends who works in theater and I was like, what is happening? Like, what is going on? And it's just the overhead from the constant COVID testing, which is still being, you know, uh, yeah. still happening. Uh, it's just costing shows too much money to stay open. What What's yeah. happening in the restaurant world in regards to that stuff? In the restaurant pe- world, people people aren't going out to lunches the same way. People aren't. Um, pe- also, people tend to not in New York. You know, New York is sort of my my barometer of things. Yeah. People don't go out late anymore. So you used to have restaurants that be open, you know, till midnight and busy till midnight. It's just not happening anymore. All the places that used to do that, they're closing at ten, and so it's it's changed the tone of the, just the nighttime in New York. So where, you know, in a certain, you know, in certain neighborhoods, of course, that's not the case because the laws are still, you know, sure. you know, you go to the Lower East Side, not, not that restaurants are open late, but people are still partying out late sure. and in certain places. But you don't have this sort of li- the liveliness that it once was at certain periods in the nighttime. You know, I used to walk around 2 a.m. Streets would be busy. There'd be stuff going on. And mm-hmm. You know, and, and when New York is quiet, that's when it feels a little bit unsettling and unsafe. And now, I, you know, I haven't felt felt unsafe, but I also don't go out at 2 a.m. much anymore. Sure, 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 sure. And I'm sure a lot of that changed, too, once, you know, once you became a dad. 
I'm sure yeah. things kind yeah. of changed. Well, let, let's take a, a few steps back. Um, sure. For those that of the people that are listening right now, my name is Woody Woodbeck and I'm your host. This is my podcast, What's Up Woody? Um, my guest today is a very close friend of mine that I have known, holy shit, forever now. Um, Alan Hall, who has gone on to do incredible things. And I swear to you, it still feels like yesterday that I watched your casting tape uh and and was like oh this guy's cool he's got dope hair all right i like it um and i and you know here you are um just uh was on top chef and has gone on to do a plethora of other things in season two um you know and i was thinking i was talking about this because my boss said the other day she was like oh you and i are ogs like we've been in this game a while and i was like oh I was like, do I want to be an OG? Do I, is that what I, yes. do I want to be called a reality TV OG? I mean, yes. I've been doing it now for, God, 15, 16 years. And it's quite, quite crazy. And, uh, you know, the Top Chef family, I always say is like my family, because that's where I started. My first job ever in TV was Top Chef season one. Uh, and some of my crew is still there and running that show, you know, Donine is still there and uh, so crazy doing the damn thing. And I'm so impressed by her every single time I got to do a project with her called sugar rush on Netflix. That was really fun. Um, and go back to my magical elves days, but I wanted to, let's start a little bit about your background. So I know you're from New York. Yeah. Um, little Jewish kid. Tell me a little bit about what, how did you, how were you raised? Where were you raised? And then um, when did you start to identify and kind of see your passion for cooking? Well, uh, I was born in Manhattan during a snowstorm in April, which was very strange at that time. Now it seems to be normal. Um, But, uh, and then when I was really young, we moved out to Long Island for, you know, a house and a garden. And uh, so I grew up with, I grew up, it was sort of a Jewish neighborhood, but uh, I grew up with a lot of food wise, oddly enough, bagels were the only big thing because on Long Island, it's like bagels and pizza. Uh, But my dad was the cook of the house because he worked, he had a home office and uh, he would, he would do all the food, but it was never really traditional Scottish or, or sort of Jewish Israeli. He cooked very Israeli food. He was very like Mediterranean, super fresh. Um, And so I grew up in the house with actually a really, a relatively healthy diet, lots of fish, lots of you know, lean, lean proteins and vegetables and stuff like that. And so, uh, so that's sort of, that's how I did, that's how I did that. And watching my father cook is really how I started to have interest in it. I mean, also in parts, the fact that I was not doing very well in school for my entire school career, and I didn't really have any, anything on the horizon. Um, and so my dad would, would help me cook. And I, in high school, I also started working in a fish market in the town I grew up in. So, working in a fish market, uh, handling food, handling things all the time. Uh, it just sort of started, started happening. And, um, my mom decided to enroll me in a program in Italy when I was still in high school, my high school, let me do an internship the second half. And so I moved to Italy for a bit and I cooked in a restaurant and I was taking cooking classes on Tuscan food. How old were and you? How old were you? When 17. You 17. Okay. Okay. 17. Yeah. And, um, and so it was amazing. I, uh, I was living with a bunch of young people, college age people, but uh, in this house right off of, uh, you know, really a few blocks from the Duomo and just had an amazing time 
somehow I was able to rent a car when I was there and drive around Italy and take trains all throughout Europe. So it really was like the, it was a catalyzing point in my life to where I, I realized what else was out there that, you know, and I traveled a lot as a, as a kid with my family my parents are both immigrants and, uh, and just having the freedom and being able to utilize it and, and take advantage of it in the best way possible was amazing. Um, and uh, it was great. It was great. So from then I went on to the Culinary Institute of America, which was fine. Um, and then I did an externship at this restaurant, Oriole, on the Upper East Side. And that was really where I understood what this industry was. Um, you know, learning it in, in books and, and in perfectly pristine classrooms is one thing. But when you're, when you're on the job, you know, that's, that's really where you get all your knowledge. You know, in retrospect... I'm not mad at what I went through, but I, I almost would have rather applied that money that went to culinary school to living in Europe and Asia for a year and moving to different, different restaurants, you know, one year and somewhere in Paris, one year somewhere in, in Asia and Japan or Singapore. I don't know. It's just, you know, the things that you learn when you're working in places are to, you know, greatly outweigh the things that you learn in a class. Yeah, I mean, we're from the generation, too, where a lot of that schooling was kind of pressed much more on us than it is today. You know, I I definitely, you know, when I went to film school in San Francisco, I I had already graduated from the state, state university in New York. I already had a degree and I just got bored and I was like, Oh, yeah. well, what am I going to do? But when I do think about it, I, I fell in love with school when I went to college and I started paying for it. And I was like, well, fuck, I better actually get the most out of it. Yeah. Um, but when I look back, I'm like, Oh, today and what I'm doing and I've had such a great career and I'm very grateful for that. But like, I didn't really take that skill set anywhere in those years that I spent all that money on (laughs) and have apply them today. Not to say that I, but I always still say my college experience, both of them were incredible. And I became the person that I was meant to be at that time because of that experience, you know? So I think, you know, you can look back and you think about it that way. Like, Oh, you know, I guess, I guess it was right for what it was at the time, you know? Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that because that's my rationale, anyways. As of I course. say, those Sally May payments every month. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I want to ask you when you look back, what kind of kid were you? Um, I was, I mean, I already said this, I did terribly in school, but I was pretty social. I had a good group of friends from a really young age. Uh, some friends that I'm still, you know, I have a friend from kindergarten that were still best friends. I've got three childhood best friends. Uh, one's from kindergarten, one's from fifth grade, another one's from high school. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm blessed to have had or blessed or lucky or however, however one would want to see it. I, I I'm, I'm lucky that I had that experience, you know, having, having friends, even if you're failing through school, it's funny. I always looked at school as such a struggle. And when I talked to my mother, she's like, but you never did any work. <laughs> so <laughs> I should have just relaxed instead of struggle with it. <laughs> That's um, yeah, but uh, no, I mean, I was, I got into trouble. I rode my bike a lot. I, I got into trouble, but no, nothing ever too dangerous. Stole the car a little bit. My dad was a, was a, was a misbehaving kid. So he would tell me stories of things. And then I would just take those stories and apply them to my life. <laughs> it was very stupid on his part. 
he taught me how to how to steal a car, how to uh, not steal a car, like take one of their cars. Sure, sure, I would sure. roll roll it out of the driveway in neutral and then push it forward. He taught me how to play pranks on people. So, um, but never mean spirited, I think, sure. as far as I can remember. Do you have siblings? I have a sister, a younger sister. She's six years younger. Okay. So she sort of started coming to be herself when I was already gone. Yeah. Uh, but we're really close now. Uh, oh, that's great. Yeah. What does she do? She's a teacher. Oh, New York awesome. City Public Schools. Yeah. Amazing. She's well, a teacher. She, uh, yeah. She she does. She's she's great. That's awesome. What yeah. was there a parent that you were more close with growing up, or were you kind of split? No, I mean, I think I think my parents. I, you know, I had there are bits of bits of pieces of them inside me, and and I feel literally and figuratively. But uh, they were, you know. I was close with them for different things. So, you know, my father and I would talk about traveling and my mother was actually a lot funnier than my dad. So, you know, my mom was the one with sort of this dry and extreme sense of humor. Um, And I don't know, I love them both. Um, When you went to, what was your, you you said you went to Culinary Institute of America, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you went there, what was that experience like? Because obviously it's very, it's it's a great school so i'm wondering yeah no i'm not there's nothing negative i have toward it um it was just real life experience is real life experience we i i'm fully on board with that i get it i mean college you know it was the first time at college the thing the thing was uh, about going to that school is that so many people that was their that was their college and so many people came from i guess my parents were really open with me and kind of didn't gave me a lot of freedom. So by the time I got to college, I barely drank. I barely, I didn't do drugs. I wasn't, there was no, like, I'm finally out of the house. I need to do this. Cause I've had experiences myself. I traveled by myself. I lived in Italy. And so by the time I got to college, you know, I mean, I guess you could say I should have really focused on the work, but you know, I, I was social. I had a good time, but I, I was, uh, I sort of treated it like a job. Actually, it was just, I was there. I have friends, I still have friends that I'm close with that I was with there and I had a good time. But uh, I mean, you know, I almost failed a couple of classes. I almost failed meat, meat identification. Uh, <laughs> I almost failed. Uh, I did fail. There's uh, an actual class one of, for that? One of, the only two, one of the only two management classes. Um, and it wasn't, I blame the teacher. The teacher really didn't like me. Not that he failed me because he didn't like me, but he didn't make it easy for me. And so I kind of, revolted and didn't make it easy for him and then i had to retake the class and i had it with a different teacher and i got an a so it was like a stupid um i was spiteful toward him and cost my parents fifteen hundred dollars so thanks um but uh sounds like your parents part of a lot of bullshit no they no they they did but uh I mean, I hope hopefully I... in the best possible way, in the best possible way. Yes, yeah. of course. Of course. So, OK, so you graduate and you have a little bit of real world experience between your time in Italy and, and other things. What 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 was the next step for you? Because I'm sure you were thirsty as hell to get back into after like into the into the actual workforce or working somewhere yeah. like where so how, what was the next step for you because well, you I had working, already started yeah. letting, laying the groundwork right even while you were in school yeah. you were working for yeah. a chef yeah yeah mm-hmm. i was work, i was working for i was working while i was in school then i was work, worked at oriole made a lot of contacts actually uh another guy that was on top chef and did really well made it to the finale a really good friend of mine amar santana 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he was season sure. 12. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, see, yeah. I, so I'm sorry, now. Amar. I love you very so much, but um, so many now. No, but he's a really good, he's a really good friend. And we, we still, he's super successful in Laguna Beach and uh, Costa Mesa. He's got multiple places. Um, but uh, yeah, then immediately I, I was trying to find a job and a friend of mine in culinary school was like, you got to read this book. This guy, Tom Colicchio, um, you know, I really love his thing. He op- just opened this place, Craft, that's like really cool. It's like everything is cooked separately and it's just about like the purity of, I'm like, okay, cool. And so I went, I had a meal there with my grandmother and then I'm like, this is a cool place. Like, I like what they're doing here. It's very sort of focused on focused on on product and ingredients. So I went there um, and I got a job and I couldn't handle it. Um, you know, it's weird because I thought that, wait, did you get fired? Yeah. yeah. I thought, <laughs> how that, do I not remember that? <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny because on day one of, of, of top chef, I feel like Calicchio, they said it. Yeah. He said it, Caligio mm-hmm. said it, but it was never aired, but he addressed it like literally the first, I the first that. time we walked into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes, I don't want you to think I have preference treatment. Elon used to work for me. I mean, I was too nervous to say anything, so I should have just yelled out, Yeah, but I got fired. Um, <laughs> uh, which is really funny, but uh, but yeah, I, I mean, Tom didn't fire me, it was a sh- you know, yeah, yeah, I yeah. met Tom yeah. a couple times, but um, but I, yeah, I got uh, I got fired after about six months because you know, first I was working nighttime veg station and it was just so high volume and I just wasn't ready for it, which is ironic because Oriole was way more intense kitchen, but, um, but with Charlie Palmer and then, um, but then uh, I got moved to, to morning veg station. And at a certain point they were just like, you got to go. And it was the chef John, but the person that was really behind the scenes was this guy, Damon, who I'm still really good friends with. I, it's funny. I, I, even though I've been fired from places and I've, you know, had, I've fired people, you know, I've been in, in all of these strange things. I, I still try and maintain good relationships with people. Um, you know, burning bridges is kind of stupid for everybody. 100%. Also just like be a positive thing, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I so, think you and I work in definitely businesses where reputation is everything. If you have a shitty ass reputation, like you're not going to get to work. Yeah, but it's it's even simpler than that. Like, I don't want I want to have a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't that, want too, I don't want people too, to be too. like be like you know it's it's not it's not because I I want to have a good time with people. I want to enjoy whatever work I do. So I don't want anybody to feel shitty about it. Sure. At all, you know, sure. in on a, on either end of the spectrum, whether I'm, you know, on a camera teaching somebody how to chop, it's you know, yeah. Um. So from there, so I got fired, and then I was about to take a job with the old chef that was at Oriole because he opened his own place, a place called Amuse, and the chef Jerry Hayden, who has since passed from ALS, mm. um, and he was like one of my one of my mentors. I loved him, and then. In the meantime, I get a call from my friend Liz, who worked at Craft with me, because I may, I worked at Craft with a lot of people at the same time that have gone on to be some of some incredible names. I mean, sure. uh, David Chang was there when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't that great, um, you know. 
he's great now successful one everything's wonderful but um but no but he and i worked there together and it's funny because there was this like whole sort of downtown community of of cooks that all knew each other and all kind of we all went out to drink at chase tracy jay's and do karaoke there was like this we would go to the silver swan and do everything was based around karaoke but um but you know then people from even from west side restaurants would come so it was this like really cool time this cool community and so my friend liz called me and she's like hey we just opened up this new place, also nearby. Kraft was on 19th. Casamono was on 17th. And she's like, come by. And what's funny is that I had eaten there with a friend of mine that I worked with at Kraft because um, we worked in the mornings. And so we would, we would, you know, sometimes go out at night and eat. And so we ate there and it was awesome. And she's like, hey, this place is great. You got to come. We have an opening. Come, just come and meet the chef. So I met Andy. Andy Nusser and I fell in love with the place and I called Jerry Hayden. I was like, Hey, thank you for the opportunity, but I'm going to go to this other place. And um, it was the best, the best food I had ever cooked. It was the best restaurant. I, you know, it was, it was, everything was delicious. Everything was fresh. It was tiny. It was 41 seats still is um, actually it's more seats because they have all this outdoor dining now. But, uh, and I just fell in love with the speed, the pace, and it was just this amazing experience. I loved the people I worked with. I knew some people that I worked with. Another kid, I went to another kid. We're all men, older, older people now. But um, yes. uh, uh, my friend Brad Spence, who's gone on to do amazing things, nominated for James Beard Awards, uh, went back to Philly, became partners in Vetri. Vetri got sold, and you know, just doing doing wonderful things. And and so we really had a great, um, a great sort of feeling there. My friend, Anthony Sasso, who ultimately became the chef there for 11 years or something, 12 years and won multiple Michelin stars, um, which they still keep getting every year. Um, and it's just, it was just a really, really special place. Cause it was that, that combination of neighborhood with, with really good recognition. And it was kind of, to me, it's still one of my favorite, it's still my favorite restaurant. And it's, one of those places that cooks love everybody respects is always still fun best wine list like it's just it was great um and so i was there for about three years um until uh honestly until you called me yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> um no you were my point of contact i so a friend of mine was like hey i'd never seen top show mm-hmm. a friend of mine was like hey there's this, I knew about it. There were billboards that I walked by on my way to work. I was living in the East village and I'd walk by, there was a, there was a, there was a, like a weird mural billboard, small, like four by three or something with the whole cast, you know, with Harold, Harold on it and and Leanne, Mm -hmm. Tiffany, everybody. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, and, and it was, it was like on like 15th or 16th, just off of third. Like it was in such a weird location. I would always walk by and see it. And so my friend's like, hey, I love this show. They're casting for the next season. You should go in it. I'm like, okay. And so I looked it all up. I was like, oh, they're doing an open casting call. Let me go. I had the day off for that day. And I get dressed. I get ready to go. And then I'm like, oh, let me just check the check the address of it. And it was yesterday. <laughs> so I'd missed it. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like, I guess that's it. And then I looked down at the bottom, like, or you can send in a video. Mm. So I'm like, went to Radio Shack, bought a camera. I had a roommate at the time. My friend Anthony, who was the chef at Casamono, his cousin 
uh, was living with me for a little bit in my 200 square foot apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the lofted bed and she was on the futon underneath. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, yeah. We're, we're still super close. She lives, yeah. back, she went, moved back to Barcelona. She's like Hysterical. my family. Um, but so she, uh, so I'm like, I didn't have money, but I, I'm like, I go to Radio Shack and I'm like, what's your return policy on cameras? And they're like, oh, 15 days or something, whatever. But it was like, no questions, just bring it, return it, even if it's open. And so I go to, uh, so I go, <laughs> I go to Radio Shack, I get a camera with one of those little tapes. I put it in. Maria films me doing, it was like some ramen noodle, like ramen noodle I feel noodle like thing. you were in the kitchen. Did you have like yeah, a I was window? in my kitchen. Yeah, and there I was like kitchen. a window behind you. My kitchenette. Yeah, it wasn't. A, yes, there yes, was a window yes, behind yes. me. I totally it was. A, it was two burners, a sink, and a fridge, yep. all in one unit. And um, and so, so I just filmed something. And I remember, I remember talking to my cousin because my cousin was working in film, and he's like, "Speak in sound bites." He's like, "They want to hear the clip that they're gonna put on the thing." So. I, I sort of remember that, but I, I remember being like a little, putting on a little bit of a show, like being a little bit confrontational, being a little bit like, like, oh, New York is better than, I don't remember exactly sure. how it went, but I was just, you know, hamming it up for the thing. Cause I'm like, what the fuck? Why not? It's the only, only time I'm going to be able to try and do this. And then I think honestly, it was less than two weeks. I sent it, returned the camera. I had to keep the tapes cause I used one of the tapes, but I returned the camera and then, um, then I get a call from you less than two weeks and you're like, Hey, I loved your tape. Uh, we'd like to do, we'd like to do an interview with you while you're taping yourself. And so I'm like, fuck, I returned the camera, but I'm like, let me just go get it again. And so I still had an extra tape, turn the camera. I, was it you that interviewed me that second time? Probably Randy, I think. No, it was Randy. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was yeah. Randy. Yeah. Um, it was Randy. So Randy interviewed me. Um, I filmed myself in the friends, friends or I, I don't remember whose apartment it was. It wasn't in my apartment at that time. And then I sent that off. And then you called me. I definitely did. You called me like less than a week. Like it almost was too fast for you to have gotten the tape like i don't think that you <laughs> that the tape was you received it yet or something because right. i wasn't like doing overnight shipping it was you know it was like yeah, everything yeah. was on a budget and i think you called me and you're like hey we'd love for you to come out to la to do an in-person like interview i'm like whoa because think about it like i sent in a tape it happened in like two and a half quickly. weeks i two and a half weeks i'm like i'm like flying out to la yeah. so so you're like this is the time i asked for time off work they said okay and and so I fly out and I remember, well, I don't fly out. I remember missing my flight. And that was the first flight I've ever missed in my life. And it was just the That's airport terrible. was crazy. Traffic was crazy. Sure. I missed the airport. I'm like, and I thought I'm like, oh, my God, everything's this over. Like, I had yeah. this chance. This is it. And you're like, don't worry. A lot of people missed their flight. It turns out, I think Sam Talbot missed his flight. Also. A lot of people did. Uh-huh. A lot. Uh-huh. There was something going on at the airport. There it sure was. Like, was. It was crazy. Um, and so finally, I come out. Um, and we're all in that, I forgot which hotel it was, but it was right by LAX. And I knew LA a bit because I have a cousin that lived there and whatever, but I, it was like, I got picked up straight to the hotel in my room, locked up. I mean, not locked, but like shut down. And, um, and I like ordered room service and we had like a stipend for room service. And I was just like, 
okay, watching TV, like there was nothing to do. And so then you came out and we met each other mm-hmm. and you talked, cause you didn't pick me up from the airport. I'm trying to think who picked me up from the airport. It's probably one of my PAs at the time. I don't know. Yeah. But then you and I had a conversation um, the night before I had my audition yeah. and you know, you just wanted to get to know me and sort of figure out like who I really was. And then I remember, I remember a couple of silhouettes from people. I don't remember Dan, but I remember Jane and I remember Dave Sirwatka. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, from Bravo. His, and it's funny time. because I, I, yeah, because I, I worked with him much later on on my yeah. show. Um, so I remember that. And then uh, I remember seeing in retrospect, I remember because we weren't allowed to see any of the other people, but I was being, because you guys were doing it like a yes. conveyor belt type thing. Yes, correct. And so I remember seeing, um, I remember seeing Mia Gaines like rolling with her bag, like as I was leaving and me being like, oh, she's being directed to go somewhere. She's probably one of the people, but I didn't see her face. Yeah. And, um, and then that was, that was really, that was really it. And then I honestly, I think it was less than a week. I went home. I was there for like 48 hours, went home. And then you're like, you, I don't know if you called me or Randy called me. I think you called me first Probably. and you're like, it's pretty, you said to me, you were like, it's, it's pretty close that it's going to be you, but it wasn't there. And then I think Randy called me and he's like, Hey, it's happening. Yeah. This is when you're coming. Here's your travel. So it was like, I sent in a video and like six weeks I was in LA. We were filming day one. Yeah. 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 I mean, for a lot of people that don't understand the process, that experience is like slim to none. It does not happen that quickly. Yeah. <laughs> really? usually, well, you know, like when we when I think about it, like if I compare it to like I, I casted 10 seasons of the real world or something like that, you know, there, there's months that go by before our casts are windowed down because there's so many people that apply. Yeah. But I think when I think about it back then, like, OK, let's think about Top Chef season one. People weren't doing food competition shows. So it was like an anomaly that this show even existed. Nobody knew how it was going to do. I remember working on season one and just hearing the buzz and being like, oh, is this show going to do anything? And I, at that time, was the talent coordinator and... And I was handling Tom and Katie at the time and Gail and... um, and I remember being like, oh, this, this is a cool concept. And I had, I loved being a part of it because I always wanted to be a chef myself. I grew up in a kitchen mm. and I was like, oh, this is, this is amazing. And then cut to season two, when the show was such a hit, I think when we went into casting, we were all like, kind of like, oh, wow. Okay. This is going to be something. And it all was happening rather quickly because I remember, I think we only really had like eight weeks to cast the show before we started filming. Yeah. And, but I do remember Randy had called me in the office one day and Randy, uh, for those of you at home at the time, Randy and Danielle were the people that casted the show. Um, I worked with them for Magical Elves. And Randy handed me a box of tapes and said, hey, watch through these people. I want you to tell me what you think. And I remember in that box was your tape and Marcel's tape. And that is literally, (laughs) I remember handing them back to Randy and I said, these two guys have to be on the show. And like, he was like, why, why, why? And and I had, that was like my first real forte in casting, but he really believed in me. And he was like, you, like, he really trusted me a lot of the time. And I was like, these guys just watch, just like, I have a feeling. And I feel like he had watched your tape 
but what he wanted in my opinion or whatever the case may be yeah but really like i was like these guys are stars like i knew it i knew it and then uh, you know then we go to your season and you two fucking hate each other which is hysterical <laughs> uh, which just and, to let you know we don't anymore i know you don't and marcel by the way is a totally different person than he was then and and it's just i'm a different like, person and you are too yes but yeah uh, you know I, that poor man for years was like tainted just an awful human yeah. being and i felt so bad for him because he I really wasn't he really wasn't a bad person no. at all so let's talk about this top chef experience so what i want to know what you were thinking getting on that plane and being like holy shit i'm about to be on this show to be perfectly honest i didn't i was just like this is cool this is exciting it's a break from work for a minute. <laughs> and that's all, that's all I was thinking. I didn't think, I never thought I could get close to winning or, you know, I had no idea. I didn't, I, no, I, I didn't even watch the prior season even after I got cast because I was working, you know, 11 yeah. hours a day. And I was just like, you know, my life was working with, with food and it was just like, cool. This is a cool thing. This is an adventure. This is like, going to camp or going to going on a trip going on a you know it was just like something new and something cool um that that was it i wasn't i wasn't like i have to win this is for my pride you know there was nothing nothing like that at all so that was it and what what did you think of the experience overall which i'm sure you've been asked a bazillion times but i you know it's been a it's been a while now i've been on many other shows so yes um i i I feel like it was actually like going to summer camp as a child because like sleepaway camp, because you don't have your phone. You don't have, not that I had a phone when I was, uh, when I was uh, that age, but. Season two was, I think, in my opinion, when the show had started gaining notoriety, but it really stepped its game up in season two. I think just the vibe of the show felt different. Padma brought something very special to the show. It just seemed to click after that, you know, and I want to talk about two things. Number one, how awful that kitchen set was downtown. If nobody could see Yolan right now, but he's shaking his head and rolling his eyes because it was horrible. Horrible. It was absolutely horrible. I mean, uh, the fact that we had to use home ovens was abysmal. The only thing that was actually pretty good was the deep fryer setup. Yes, yes. But the deep fryer was air conditioning. Oh, mud on. Oh, I forgot how hot it was. It was was so horrible. We shot the show, I think, in the middle of the summer or middle of the summer yeah and then it was in downtown in a where like not even like a real warehouse but like a warehouse and we weren't allowed to have the air conditioner on while we were filming because it was loud Loud, and i my my other job besides being the (laughs) talent coordinator on the show was powdering tom's head because tom sweat so much that i had to continuously like go in 
and shine his head because it was just a shine ball of light all the time. Those are the two things that he asked me for all the time. Where's my gin and tonic and can you powder my head? I remember the where's my gin and tonic. I remember he always had gin and tonic. Always. At the table, always. Yes, I was a, I was a part-time bartender and makeup artist on that show. Yeah. Oh, amazing. It's so funny he needs to powder his head. That's so bizarre. Yeah, well, we didn't have a makeup artist on set. So I was just like, oh, I'll do it. And then it became a running joke. Like, and Tom was like the coolest guy. And he and I and Gail and Padma and I were all so close at the time that like, it was just a thing. And then it became a joke like, oh, somebody fly Woody in for some powder. And it was just like, I'm sure there is a picture of me somewhere powder Tom Colicchio's head. Um, uh, so the other thing I wanted to talk about, obviously, just because we lived it and we went through it was this the, they often say the biggest scandal in Top Shape history, which was this head shaving incident. Yeah. Is there anything that hasn't ever been said about it that you want to say about it? So for those that don't know, basically what happened was overnight on the show, there was a, I think you guys were trying to play a prank on Marcel. It kind of turned physical. And then that got weird. And then there was the shaving the head, which came after. So break down for me, just in layman's terms, like what the fuck happened? That Am I night? legally allowed to talk about it? I don't know. I mean, I think you kind of are, maybe. I don't know. Okay. You tell couple, me whatever you're comfortable things, with. A couple things. It was wrong. Hands should never be on another human. Agreed. Bottom line. Yes. I, I was part of instigating that. I was wrong. Um, now. The real question is, how did Top Chef contestants on, after doing the the pre like the before finale challenge? There were no camera crews, but it was just us. Wait, you you cut out. You cut out when you said. Um, how did we end up with a with a professional camera? It's weird, just like in our you know, basically okay. I forgot who had the idea, but they're like, hey, it would be so crazy because we'd finished our last challenge. Well, I think I think what I can say is we gave you producer, we gave you like cast cameras for when we were off the clock, like when the crews were off the clock. No, That's not what happened. Not what happened. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Somebody had an idea. Hey, it would be crazy if we just, while he was sleeping or something, shaved his head, kind of like jackass style. Okay. Like, you know, just like go with clippers. Sure. Not okay to do, but young, stupid, oh, been in a situation, a bizarre, non-normal human situation for five weeks, having no contact with our family, no contact with anything. Sure. We, we went a little stir crazy. We were about to leave. It was like, ah, let's do it. This was said to uh, someone on the production staff. They said, that's a great idea let us give you a camera. Cause it had nothing, it wasn't part of the show. It was just like, it wasn't, it was meant to like, be like a, like a, you know, sure. we're, just, we're done, let's just. And so they're like, no, you gotta film it. Cause that's awesome. Great TV, here's a camera. Not only here's a camera, here's how to use the camera. It was like, it's not like the, I mean, even the new ones are hard to, are, are, sure hard to navigate it was a one of the bigger like it gave us a case gave it it wasn't like a we just grabbed a camcorder i mean maybe they made it look that way at, you know mm -hmm. post a, after the fact 
we were given a camera explicitly to shave Marcel's head. Not good, not right. Also, they were wrong for uh, encouraging that. Sure. Um, so that happened. It went down. Now, now the problem is it didn't go down the way that we saw it. Right. The way that we, the way that it happened was, well, no, the way that it was portrayed on television was that we were losing our minds. We shaved our heads and then let's shave Marcel's head. And that wasn't the case. The only thing was this like little, this prank, little, not little, bad, very bad, not condoning it, but it was sort of flipped around. And, uh, and we, so it made us look like these crazy people. And, uh, and then that was that. And then, so, you know, and Sam was supposed to shave his head, but then Chicken Nut said his girlfriend would hate it if he, if he shaved his head. Um, so Elia did it. And I said, Elia, if you shave your head because you have the most beautiful head of hair I've ever seen in my life, then I have to, like, I have to. I'd never shaved my head either. And so we shaved our head, uh, left Elia's pile of hair right outside of the door because Elia and I were sharing a room at that point, um, left her, her pile of hair right on the doorstop. Uh, on the, the doorstep and um, and production came in production halted for two days um, and we were reprimanded uh, Shauna was furious with us um, you know it was a big it was a big deal like it wasn't yeah. we thought it, we we we're not from TV we're from you know a rock yeah, yeah, world yeah. where where we stay out late and we drink too much and we're, you know, historically been, been a little bit more rough and gruff than the average bear. And so for us, it didn't like, like I'm shaving my head, who gives a shit? And, um, and so it was like, it became a much bigger thing. And then, and then, um, you know, I mean, Marcel was rightfully pissed that he was woken up with force. Like I get, I get it. Mm -hmm. um, and the irony is that Cliff is literally the, the biggest teddy bear I know. Right. Cliff is like the kindest, sweetest, like, so there was, it, 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 there's no justification, but, but it, there was, there wasn't like this, like, fuck this guy. This is, you know, we need to yeah. get it. There was, yeah. there was no, it was, it was almost like we were all excited to be done. It wasn't like a, that's what makes it. Even you weren't trying to be malicious. I understand. No, I, th I think it was probably in hindsight. It was definitely a joke that went completely and utterly wrong. Completely and utterly wrong. And, yes. um, and you know, I, yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, so production was halted finally, but they didn't tell. Did they tell, I don't remember. I think they told Tom, but Tom came in and met with cliff and was like i think tom saw us with our shaved heads and because he came into the loft and then we went to judge's table the next day it was like two and a half days that production was stopped mm. um we had our judge's table and elia and i walked in and <laughs> and gail and pat i'm sure they'd heard but they were like gobsmacked. I'm sure more over Elia than me. Um, and I think that, I mean, in retrospect, I think that Gail thought it was really funny that we had came in with shaved heads. Padma seemed really upset. We and, and they also didn't show a lot of this, but like we got reprimanded. 
um, you know, we got yelled at just, I guess, just for fun, because it didn't make the edit. Um, and then, uh, and then they told us that they're so disappointed in us, but you're all going to Hawaii. <laughs> we did. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like a crazy, you know, it was crazy. And then Hawaii happened and I don't know, Marcel and I just didn't get along. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, a uh, situational because it's, it's situational because outside of that, um, we really, we didn't really have a bad relationship, even r- recent after it. Now, s- you know, subsequently, na- now we're we, we're closer than we've been. You know, he and I yeah. are in contact. Um, you know, he's married. He's beautiful, beautiful son, like the cutest kid I've ever seen in my life. Um, and he's just doing great. You know, he's he's opened multiple restaurants, like a lot of us have opened, closed some stuff, but now he's, now he's doing amazing food. I mean, he's doing, he's selling pans on, 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 uh, on QVC and stuff, which is awesome. Yes. So I'm thrilled for him. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah. Um, I imagine uh, that it's probably situational because given the circumstance, I mean, you guys were competing on a show for a cash prize and the notoriety of winning said show. So I am sure that even if you guys were friendly and friends in some ways in real life, it's a lot of that tends to go out the door when it comes to a competition show, you know? And so, well, I mean, what an experience to have in the books, because after that for you, I mean, obviously things blew up. You went on to win the show um, and do amazing things. And I, honestly, I say it all the time. I couldn't be prouder of you. I, I think you have done such great things. You went on to open restaurant uh, called Gorbels. Tell yeah. everyone a little bit about that. And then you then now own another restaurant or Two, right? Yeah, so so okay. I opened a. I was in New York for a bit. I had some job, pro, some job partnership prospects, and this one thing that I was really invested in fell through, and um, and then so I'm like, you know, I'm gonna move to LA. I was like, I I just was like, I I always loved LA. You know, Top Chef happened, and it wasn't because of Top Chef, but it was just like I had family there. It was it was a. Uh, it made sense. It made sense. And I just was like, I'm going to go. And so I went, I very quickly, you know, with the intention of opening a restaurant and I was going all around Manhattan beach and places like that. Of course I, I, and you know, it had already been a year and a half, year and a half since I think chef, chef ended in um, January, January of 2007. Um, I think it was actually January 31st, 2007. And, uh, and so I was like, I didn't know, you know, I didn't have money. I didn't have, you know, very little, you know, you know, $66,000. Sure. After taxes, after, you know, two, two, two and a half years of not having a a steady job. Um, And so I, I ended up downtown and in this weird old building that used to be a hotel. um, And I just found this space that was inside of this building and I got it because I could afford it and they had already been working on it to get to code because they needed it for, to, to um, activate this like hundred year old liquor license that the building. Okay. had. Um, and so I was, I, I was able to take advantage of that. 
And, um, and so they built me a kitchen. We had some hiccups, but I opened and we were open for about six years and it was awesome. And it was like my dream. It was, you know, a little bit New York, a little bit, you know, my food was inspired by my parents' upbringing in Israel and Scotland uh, and a lot of my travels. And it was just a place where I had no rules, nobody to tell me what to do food wise. And, you know, I opened a restaurant for $60,000 and it was, it was exciting. And that's where, you know, through that and through friends that I'd made in LA, I met um, my spouse uh, we decided to have a kid and, uh, and we just lived this awesome, like fun, exciting life. And, uh, at a certain point I, I was given an opportunity to open a restaurant in New York and I decided to sort of, uh, make a higher end concept of that, um, of Gorbals. New York, of uh, the Gorbals. And it's funny because the restaurant that I opened for $60,000 had all of my heart into it. And then the restaurant, I mean, I, I, I loved the place in New York, but it just, didn't that was in that was in Brooklyn, right? Brooklyn, yeah. yeah. It didn't, you know, it didn't connect with people um for whatever reason. I was proud of the food that we we're making there. Um and uh you know it's funny because I went from having so so little of a budget to literally having no no sure. budget at all. Sure. Building out my dream of a place it was multi-level and an open kitchen and a wood burning, uh, wood burning grill. And it was just, it was awesome. Um, but that was around for about a year. Then we reconcepted it as like this Israeli barbecue place and then walked away because it just, it didn't, Work. it didn't do the thing that we were hoping it would do. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that, we, uh, I sort of, I started a place in LA called Brahmin hood and, um, and it's a vegan ramen shop. And sort of that's what uh, what I've been working on. It was so meat-centric. Is there a charge again? Oh, I hear him now. There we hey, go. Hey, there we go. Finish that um, thought about ramen hood. Sorry. Yeah, so then, so then I, I sort of I helped begin ramen hood and get that off the ground. It was this vegan ramen place. And, you know, now I'm trying to do some TV. I'm doing consulting. I'm... Uh, you know, I'm doing events. We do Coachella every year, doing lots of festivals. Uh, and at some point I want to open another restaurant and working on, working on TV stuff. Um, oh, but, but so, you know, another thing that happened through, through, um, through the Gorbals, that was great. Um, we had our own, I don't know if you ever watched my show, mm-hmm. but um, I had a show called Knife Fight. Knife Fight. Was Esquire Network. Esquire. And we were the, we were the, um, the first show that was on the Esquire Network. Not the last, but not shortly after. It didn't really have a, a very long life. That network, um, it was unfortunate because I loved making that show. But but here, but let, for, to give you a little bit of credit, that show did very well critically wise. Like it yes. was, it was very loved it. No, notary. Like it, it yeah. was, you had huge names on that show. Yeah, in the cooking See, it's world, fu- it's it funny. Did there was very, one, very very well. Yeah, there was one year, I think second season, where I think something like seven or eight people not because of us but were nominated for james beard awards and i think most of them won (laughs) that's so crazy so it's like i mean we had we had in the first season we had a lot of celebrities and then we had a weird thing with sag that we're like no more no more celebrities we had you know and then then the was that during the writer's strike no it was there was some fight between there was some issue with the, the 
with G4 Network, which is what Esquire became. Yes. Esquire sort of took over G4 and then somehow took over Style. It was weird. It yeah. was a very strange launch. And, um, and so they had some issue with them and they're like, no, we're a new network now because they weren't allowed to feature any SAG people because they didn't want to pay SAG dues. And then I think, I, I, don't, yeah, I don't know yeah. the politics in and out. Sure. And so they basically send out a SAG memo saying, no, nobody that's a part of SAG is allowed to be on this oh, show wow. or this network. Wow. So um, no, to be on the show. So it was very like specific to our show because we had, you know, in the first season we had Drew Barrymore, who was, who was our, our co, who was a co-executive producer or yeah. executive producer on the show with us um, and her production company. There was, uh, I mean, Eric Ware. Yeah, you, I remember you guys. Here, like, it was huge. huge. Yeah. Um, Elijah Wood, Erica Christensen. Like it was like a big, it was like, yeah. you, know, you know, people, people, it was, it was funny because it was people that came into the restaurant, people that we were friendly with, you know, through friends, through my co-host Giovanni Retta. And it was just like this awesome feeling. And so second season, we got incredible, uh, you know, we weren't able to do that. So we really like bulked up on like really worked hard on trying to get some great chefs and chefs love to do it because there was no prize money. Mm-hmm. It was in a kitchen that is akin to something that they worked in. Probably not as pro- probably my kitchen wasn't as, as good as their kitchens, but it was just this amazing. We marked peel. We had, I mean, Michael Simarusti. Yeah. Like, I had the, I had the vibe. Like you weren't I had the vibe. Like, Oh, I, it's like that bro. kind of vibe like, Oh, I beat your ass in, in the kitchen. Like I mean, <laughs> a little, a little bit of bragging rights, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, but they work their asses off. That's for sure. No, of course. I mean, but like, but people that are—it's so crazy because people. I keep thinking, and like Naisha Arrington, who's who's a, a co-host on on Next Level Chef, good yeah. friend. Yeah. She competed and then she judged on it. Um, Susan Manic, James Beard Award winner, yeah. competed, yeah. won. Well, it's interesting uh, too because you did push the boundaries in that regard because Esquire essentially at the time was a male-driven network. Um, yeah. So so. I think the inception of your show was probably more driven for that, but then it became much bigger than that. I think. Well, the inception for the show wasn't even a show. It was a thing that we were doing at the restaurant for fun. And it was just like, we want to get like the best people we can. And, you know, Leah Cohen, Dale Talde, I'm trying to like, it doesn't end on, on the people that, that killed it. I mean, tons of Michelin people, tons of, and cooks loved it. Chefs loved it. Um, you know, Adam Sachs was a judge. It's like it's it's yeah, it's crazy because we did seventy we did seventy two episodes of it, right. and the unfortunate thing is that not a lot of people saw it. So it was like, well, it was, it we did it. We did this space. beautiful thing. Have you thought about bringing space. it back? I, I I I'm literally on calls every week to try and figure out a way to do that. Um, you know, NBC Uni has it in a vault, and you know, we'd love yeah. to do that. Sure. Um, you know, we'd love to, you know, we had a meeting with Peacock a few years ago before it was, we knew it was called Peacock. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had meetings with all the, all the other people, um, where it would be appropriate. It's just, you know, it's hard. It's yeah. hard to, to do it, especially right now when all these weird mergers and shit are happening. Yeah. And original programming is like in this weird flex period. And it, and it's even more interesting. And we're, I was just talking about this the other day is it's what we're seeing too is like cable networks and things. They're putting shows on air 
realizing that they aren't doing well and then putting them to streaming and they're doing four times better or shows that were originally on cable or network are going right to streaming and doing really well. So it is definitely in this weird flux. And, and I'm currently working on a show for a streamer, uh, a big streamer. Um, and, you know, we have that question every day. We're like, okay, how are, are we doing the right thing as far as their storytelling? Because streaming audiences are so different than, yeah. you know, uh, this or that. And so it's, it's definitely, a, it's a weird time and space. And I'm sure, especially for cooking shows is a weird time and space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the night fight would be a perfect streaming show because I think it's so like, too. because the episodes were 22 minutes. Yeah, you can binge the hell out of them. You can watch them one-offs. I mean, the first two seasons, especially, it was just they were just standalones. Yeah. It was great because it was so much fun, and then it was over. And the second two seasons were, you know, had this sort of tournament bracket, which I didn't think yeah. was necessary, but whatever. Um, you know, I didn't have all the power. I was a, the exec an executive producer, but that doesn't mean yeah, yeah. That, uh, everything I say goes. Um, but uh, I don't know. I would love to do it. I'd love to do it again. I've, I get I've people every day to reach back. out to me. I, I love every every day people reach out to me asking me about it. Um, so I want to talk to you about uh, two shows. So you're yep. on right now. You're currently on Netflix's Easy Bake Challenge, correct? Yes, title, Easy Bake Battle. Easy Bake Battle on Netflix. Yes. Um, my boy Anthony is the host of everyone knows Anthony from Queer Eye uh, on Netflix. So funny. When I saw that you were going to be on the show, I was like, oh my God, this is so weird. My world's coming together. <laughs> <laughs> Both shows that I've worked on and now you guys are on the show. What was that experience like? It was great. It was I actually... just watched the episode this morning. Literally, I just watched it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, it was great. I had such a great time. He's he's a delight. He really is. He's, he's so sweet and so just like, it's so funny. Anthony's way nerdier than you think mm -hmm. like he's so handsome and striking and you sort of like you're kind of blown away from him for a second very sweet you know immediately when i when i arrived he like came into the trailer nice to meet you thank you so much for coming um and he was just lovely like lovely and and like a little dorky which makes him a, you know, a normal person yes. and approachable and you can talk, talk to him. And the most you know. endearing of qualities and people ever, you know, like he yeah. just is quintessentially a good person. Yeah, and, it's and no so airs, no nothing. No, and it's, and it's the weirdest thing too, because you expect, oh, somebody that fucking hot to yeah. just like, you gotta be a douche. Like you can't totally. be a douche. And then he's totally not. Totally and you're not. like, oh, wow. All right, cool. <laughs> wow. And it's funny, I saw I saw him, I saw him at an event at a, the Global Citizen uh, concert and my, my lady was working, working for her company there. And so we had these tickets and and I saw him, he was backstage, he was presenting. And, um, and I, I saw him, I'm like, hey, How's it going? And he's like, I just saw the episode. It's going to, because I had no information on it. And Netflix yeah. is very like nothing, nothing. And then lets yeah. you know, like there's like a very specific yeah. formula. And um, and it was great. It was great working with him. They're, the whole production company was amazing. Uh, Daniel Kalen was was great. I mean, it was, it was, I've done a lot of things comparable to that for shit talking other networks yeah yeah for other for other things i've done other food related things and a lot they were so warm so easygoing so seamless so organized it was like just a 
just a easy, easy, easy and made it, made it very, very nice to work, you know? Great. I love that. Um, and the food was great. The people cooking were great. And I picked up tips. I mean, that, the concept of the show is great. I, I loved it. It was, it was really, it was one of the best, the best uh, on-screen for, uh, you know, on-screen not gonna, not gonna lie i uh i added puff pastry fig jelly and goat cheese <laughs> uh to my shopping list today so easy. Really so easy i'm totally gonna make that totally gonna make that you know one show that i want to talk to you about because i want to know if you've ever met him or have had an opportunity to work with him it's my i love cooking shows and i because i have such a passion for cooking i love yeah. i love it myself is i i love the chef show with Roy Choi. one of my favorite things and one of my favorite chefs. And I just like the, the values that he put stills into his cooking because he's just a man of the people, you know? And like that guy also was a big part of how food trucks came to be. Talk to me like a little bit about, have you ever worked with him, ever met him? Like what, and this is only because I'm a total nerd and I absolutely fucking love him. And if I ever met him, I would probably lose my mind. Well, there's two funny things about Roy Choi. Okay. First, in my timeline of knowing, he's one of the first chefs I met at an event in LA, and he could not have been warmer. He was, he's completely genuine. What you see on, on TV is it's just him all the time. He's so kind and so supportive. He doesn't care who moves to LA. He's so about the community and the culture, and it's unbelievable. I love his food also. Um, but a funny fact about him, he told me this. I guess the last, I, I saw him, I saw him at Coachella, but uh, I think that maybe a year ago, I don't know if I saw him in person. I forgot, I forgot what the interaction was, but he told me that the, I think he'd been at Coachella, he told me the first time that he ever saw me was in Hawaii when we were filming the finale. He worked at the Hilton Waikoloa Village. Oh my God. And he was like a chef there, just just working like a guy. And he got into an elevator that, and I, I don't know if it was, it might've been after I won. I, I don't remember. I don't remember it because I went to an elevator a bunch of times. He walked into an elevator when it was me and Colicchio and I guess some production people and rode the elevator and was like, knew who that guy was. And then, I guess he'd he'd watched Top Chef because it'd been airing already. I think four or five episodes were happening yeah, yeah. before yeah. before we went to Hawaii, and and he was like, he was like, oh shit, <laughs> like didn't say anything, but was like, and he told me that like six months ago. <laughs> That's a <hysterical. laughs> which is so cool. Um, that is that is so random. What super random right yeah um, that's that's really random but he's great he's great i love what he's done for the culture i love that he has such presence because i yeah. think that he's so genuine i love his food vlogs that he's been doing lately yeah he's just yeah. like going to yeah. other pl- just to literally eat it, there's nothing more to it other than he eats he talks about the food and he's and it's to support a place yeah and it goes to a different place each time he's just like he's He's tops for me. Yeah, I, I fangirl out over that guy all the time. Yeah, I just, I'm always great. like, I think back, I used to tweet about him all the time and he used to always like or retweet my tweets. And yeah. I've always been like, Super oh my engaged. God, he knows me in some weird yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. It's just totally, totally nerd. Um, I t- uh, So I want to talk, you know, we're I have this hot, uh, Woody's Roundup, as I call it. It's kind of hot sure. topics thing I'm going to do. But I first want to talk about your dad, 
You have a little guy. His name is Theo, I right? Do. And you're married. Yep. Her name yep. is what's your wife's name? Laura? A- Ayami. We're Ayami. we're not married. Okay. But we've been together for okay. a hundred years. No, we've okay. been together uh since I guess that's probably why I thought you were married because you've been with her for so long. Yeah, we've been together since 2009 when I opened the restaurant. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So what's what's that experience been like being a dad? It's great. Best best thing. I like him. How old is he now? He's 11. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah, 11-year-old child. He's got BO. He's about to start going through puberty. It's gross. (laughs) (laughs) But he's, he's sweet. He's sweet, though. He's funny. He's very funny, which I'm glad um yeah he's great likes he he likes a lot of shit that i like which uh, is nice. that's good that's good movies and stuff like that so we has he taken to the kitchen at all or no once in a while he doesn't like to eat much okay in in right. quantity or variety so okay uh, you know that's a little bit it's a little bit difficult but um but yeah, once in a while, he's he's done some Instagram video stuff with me, which has been great. He does, he made, he. I mean, of course, lots of kids want to do this, but he made Ratatouille with me. I mean, he really did most of it, but um, uh, he's done a bunch of stuff. He's, That's he's, great. He's good, yeah. How do you think being a dad changed you? Uh, I changed your priorities. I don't know if it changed me as a person. Okay. Um, you know, the one thing that everybody says is you don't realize how much you can love something. You know, it, it makes, it makes your, your priority in your life, another, another human rather than yourself, mm-hmm. you know, innately you're like, your, your life is about, is about yourself and what makes you happy, self-preservation, you know, what, whatever it is. Um, but then, then it, it shifts onto that other person. Um, but I mean, we're similar, you know, so we, we get along, we spend a lot of time together we travel together. We, um, I mean, we also travel <laughs> with, with his, with his mother. Yes, of course. Um, but, but no, my relationship with him is, is, is great. I mean, I, he makes me smile and laugh every day, which is great. I love hearing that. I'm glad I'm very happy for you. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I want to do uh, this segment on the show. If it, everyone listening, uh, you're listening to What's Up Woody um, on all podcast streaming platforms. I want to do a little thing that I call Woody's Roundup Hot Topics, like my own version of Hot Topics, but they're all cooking related. Because I, yep. I, I have a friend, I have a fantasy football league. And a lot of the guys on my fantasy football play like to cook. And I literally said this morning, I was like, yo, I'm having a lawn haul on my podcast. What do you guys, what do you guys want me to ask? So I have a lot of questions <laughs> from them, okay. but also things that I want to know. So the number one essential kitchen tool. I had this answer the other day. Somebody asked me the other day. Um, I mean, yeah. I guess it's a knife, but it's really a spoon. Right. Spoon is so multi, multi, you know, so universal. You can use it for so many different things. I use it in lieu of a spatula. You know, you can't, you can't taste the soup with a knife. Um, I had like a better one recently, a but a spoon, a spoon. I know it's kind of boring. No, I like it. Uh, what, what is, the, what do you think is the best way to reheat pizza? Oh, Ah, in a pan. Okay. Medium low, medium, low heat, crust down with a cover on it. Interesting. I would have never have thought that. 
very low and slow. Okay. Um, the key then it makes the bottom crust, the bottom gets stays crispy. It melts the cheese just from the radiant heat, but the sure. contact of the bottom. That makes perfect sense. Interesting. Uh, best way, what is the key? Now, I've heard this a lot. So, like, the key to the perfect scrambled egg, I've heard many different things. What okay. makes the perfect scrambled egg? Well, a lot of people have a different view on what a perfect scrambled egg is. It's true. Mine is annoying. Mine is traditional and annoying. Nonstick pan, whatever fat you want to use, rubber spatula, very low, keep moving it. Because I like them super, like, super. Are you on and off the heat kind of guy or no? If you keep it really low, no. But then you got to sit, sit there. I mean, you can go fast and there's, there's a bunch of, you know, from the problem is is like, I'll go low for a while and then be like, oh, it's taking too long and then turn it up and then (laughs) walk away for one second. Then it's shit. It's burned. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think, I think low to medium, low constant attention and it comes out best if you do really really low constant attention for a real like 15 minutes it'll come out better than if you do it slightly higher i mean but if you want to be easy just uh cook them soupy very easy mm-hmm. do you it's do actually, do you do a dairy in it or no because you know some people no. don't dairy in i mean sometimes butter sometimes butter but i mean i don't know okay I, I i use olive oil for most things it's just the way i grew up i mean we always have butter but i don't cook that much with butter i did cook some fish with butter the other day which i hadn't done in a really long time it's fucking awesome (laughs) yes it is it really is the best way to cook fish honestly yes um are you do you believe in using leftovers to make new meals king of making leftovers that into new meals i it's all i do and people are always like because people tell me that especially when i'm on when i'm working i will take my leftovers and i'll be like no i i can use half that fish and make an omelet or i can do something with something the next day i am the i am the firm believer in using food again woody episode five michelle bernstein <laughs> leftover challenge we had to use their leftovers and i won and I won a trip to Miami. And I knew in that moment when I won that, I'm like, oh, Shit, I forgot about that. I'm like, oh, I could win this competition. That was the turning point for me. Yeah. Not to get back to Top Chef stuff, yeah. but like I had no idea what was going on until I won because I won the first elimination challenge, which I thought was just a fluke. And then I won with like the weird snail thing. And then the fifth with Michelle Bernstein at social restaurant on uh I remember that Melrose or something mm-hmm. no, I was on whatever it doesn't matter um and I was like oh this is I could do this because like I think I understand the way they like to eat or the like the flavors that are cool with sure. them and like how I can and so yeah so that was that but um so yes leftovers I uh I win trips to Miami <laughs> I'm a big I'm a big believer in that too what do you think is a healthy uh, substitution for meat that people don't consider that people and don't consider know, yeah or, or maybe one that is maybe that people use more often than none i just think about it like you know i know a lot of people that don't necessarily you know they're they don't go to beef or they don't like i'm a chicken and fish kind of guy but sometimes you get sick of it you know what's yeah. a good alternative um a good alternative for me i use a lot of uh celery root actually Okay. I think celery root is really, really cool. And if, depending on how you cook it, and if you, you know, it, it takes a lot of flavor well. 
So in that same way that tofu does, but texturally you can get it really, really cool. So, you know, I'll do things like, cause it can have the, it can have the, it's a good replacement for fish in my opinion. If you're just, just texture, not in terms of protein sure. content, but um, I did a, I did a plant-based dinner uh, last year with uh, some friends of mine uh, from New York and I did this dish flavor wise. I would have like changed. It was very good, but I, I threw um, celery root in, you could do this in a hot oven, but I threw it in, in coals, like wood burnt in wood on fire. And um, I burnt the hell out of it, then sort of let it sit in steam. And then I cut the burnt outside. We used to do this at the restaurant in Brooklyn. And then, um, and then I cooked it with, with some like seafood flavors with kombu seaweed and like a little bit of saffron to make it sort of oceanic right. and then finished it in the oven. So it got kind of like glazed. And at the end of it, the texture, like when you sort of overcook it and burn it, but then cut the outside off, yeah. um, then it, it sort of flakes like fish, like a white fish. It's really cool. That's interesting. I like, yeah. I like that. Okay. What to you is the best sauce like either you can either that's already so okay all right you're a mayo guy okay but what kind though are you a hellman's or a miracle i'm a cube i'm a cube cube okay cube dukes hellman's okay i like a dukes i'm i'm a hellman's guy i like hellman's too miracle i taste gross to me although but i'm also a big i'm also a big fan of um hoisin Am I saying it? Yeah, voice great. Yes, I, that's one of my favorites. I, it's it's great. It's like it's very specific. Like we we used a lot of it um, at, at the restaurant. We had these like fries that we these this poutine dish that we would do with the flavors of a banh mi sandwich. Yeah, and it was it was really really good. Um, but it's very sweet, you know. So it it's is. like it is, and its, it's texture is different too. And it can yeah. it, it can overwhelm a palate, but I do yeah. really. Oh, I it's do, great! It's one of my favorites. It's one of my favorites. Uh, what's your favorite thing to make? I like grilling crispy skin fish over charcoal, but like in that even crispy skin where it's really like every piece of it is like like has a perfect crisp to it. It's very satisfying. I like things where there's like a satisfying conclusion. I like roasting chickens. I like I like uh, I like charring leeks. I mean, I'm not giving you like full dishes. I'm saying like just no, no, no. I, I, I like it. I like it. I'm I like charring it. leeks. I like charring. I like charring scallions. Lots of onions. I like cooking on a grill. Um, I have a lot of grill apparatus uh, in my world. Um, okay. So. Yeah, I, like I mean, that. you, you. I'm pretty sure you can tackle anything at this point <laughs> when it comes to cooking. <laughs> I mean, you probably have tried it all at some point in time. Yeah, I've tried a lot. Yeah. Yeah. What is, uh, what do you think is the one trick, uh, to learn as a home chef? I mean, it's always the amount of salt, the amount of heat that you use in something. And I mean, I don't mean heat flavor wise. I mean, heat like temperature, right. um, especially you know, when cooking from, on a home oven and yeah, stove. Yeah. when a very, well, in a very young, young age, I was setting up the smoke alarm a lot <laughs> right. from cooking. No, but it's because, you know, a lot of people have hoods in their kitchens now, but I was in a New York city apartment sure. and, uh, and you know, I would always set up, I would have to like, you know, wrap the best thing to do. Don't do this because it's bad for safety. Then I want to say it. 
<laughs> no, I would, I would take a rub, I would take rubber 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 glove from work and you wrap it around the smoke detector just for when you're cooking. Uh, yeah, yes, and then yeah. you take it take it down afterwards. Sure, that makes sense. Okay, I can get it. I get it. Um, um uh, what do you? Oh, so you said something about seasoning in there. What? One of my friends asked my friend Derek asked how much do you believe is in an actual pinch of salt? Like, what is the actual right amount? When is when people say, oh, a pinch of salt. Um, I always laugh when you see in a cookbook and it's just, it's, oh, a pinch of salt. Like, like a, my hands are huge. My pinch of salt is much different than somebody else's. I don't know. I see, I don't even go by, I use the pinch as the tool. I don't use yeah. the pinch as a measurement. Okay. Um, okay. Is that a good answer? Yeah, that's a good answer. That makes sense. That makes sense. Because sometimes if it says a pinch of salt, I might put three pinches in. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you believe in the world of air fryers? I do. I didn't for a very long time. Now, let's be honest as to what an air fryer is. An air fryer is just a small electric convection oven. D- right. Just blows around hot air. There's nothing frying about it. But the space, it's like an it's like it's like an easy bake oven a little bit. Yeah. The space of it is actually great. I got one from doing some of that. They're not expensive. I, I'm not, you know, yeah, yeah. I would buy one if I, if I had to, but I was given one from an, a, a, an event that I did and they're great. They're tiny. They're great for small apartments. They're great for like reheating frozen things. Mm-hmm. They're like magnificent toasting stuff. The only problem, I think the fan in ours is like too powerful. So it blows things around. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think that I, I was very anti for a minute and now I'm not at all. I think they're great. When they're I'm not fryers. Right, right, right. They're very different because I, I, there is nothing to me that tastes better than a piece, a chicken thigh that has cooked in oil with a nice crisp batter on the outside. It's just that there's, you can't, it tastes completely oh. different. It's a different oh. world. Yes. yes. <laughs> and yes, I will 100%. tell you, honestly, when I moved back to the East Coast from LA and I moved to New Jersey, the the best thing that I got was a Ninja Foodie. It does like mm-hmm. 13 things in one and yeah. literally changed my life. I was like, I can do nice. everything with this machine. And it's like, <laughs> especially for a cook. And sometimes you, you still want to cook, but like you're able to just do it so much simpler. Yeah. You know? I, I like that. I like that a lot about it. What is your favorite cheese? That's always one that gets me. I can't pick. I could tell you the one that I don't like. What do you don't? What do you not like? I do not like brie. Okay, that's fair. I, I respect could, that more than other other pe- things that people say they don't like. I just I don't, there's I, just something about brie that just it just I don't. I, I mean, I think I like them all e- equally. I don't eat try try not eat tons of cheese. I if I do eat cheese, then um, then I uh, sorry, did I go away for a second? No, you're here. Oh my. Like some lady called me. Um, <laughs> I uh, I don't I don't eat a lot. I like really sharp aged cheddars. That's probably what I eat more than normal. But of course, I like you know fresh mozzarella. Like I you know I like really sharp stuff. I like stinky stuff also. But I'm saying in terms of like what I would like to eat on a regular basis. Yeah, I like really sharp you know, more aged stuff or really fresh cheeses, like, you know, fresh, like fresh, fresh mozzarella, burrata, stuff like that, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Yeah. Mine, mine, my favorite, it's tough. 
but probably Manchego because I'm a big, I like a big man. Manchego's great. Manchego's yes. wonderful. No, it's a beautiful balance, and there's you know different ages of Manchego that are that are right. great. Right. Um, yeah. No, I I love Manchego too. Yeah. I used um, to eat a lot of it. I, I, yeah, probably too much, <laughs> the <Yeah>. same, <laughs> especially for the price of it these days. Yeah. Um, what is one unexpected thing that you use in the kitchen for a lot of your cooking? Like a tool or like an ingredient? Well, anything, anything. Uh, it's, I'm looking at my kitchen. That's why. Um, an unexpected tool, unexpected thing. Or is there a I technique? To, uh, I've been poaching a lot lately that I never used to do. So like I'll poach chicken, chicken breasts. I don't like chicken breasts that much, but I try and eat, you know, an amount of them to be healthy. Um, And I'll, I just cook them really, really slow and low, like sort of poached steamed. Um, People think that that's weird and gross, but like it's the most, the best other than sous vide, it's the best way to make them really tender. Um, I like. How do you get flavor in it after you do that? I get flavor. Oh, I mean, I just season stuff. Okay. Okay. I mean, I also I'll season before and I'll season. After. Do you do do you do a heat after you poach or no? Like once it's done. Well, no. I'll like that's like weird meal preppy stuff. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll use them cold. I prefer poaching for something that's going to be cold ultimately. Okay. Um, okay. Um, when I don't want to go through the nuisance of vacuum sealing something, sure. setting up a circulator. I mean, sure. I I do that also. I have a the cryovac machine in my house, um, but. Uh, I also, I use, I use MSG a lot, okay. not a lot in quantity, but just a lot in frequency. Okay. Um, is it, is, I it, is it, is it unhealthy to use a lot? No, like, not at all. Okay. Okay. Not at all, but it's just, it's, it, it's, a, it's like a, it, it start it has racist origins of it being, sure. you know, people that it's, it's, it's a shame because it's, it has a third of the sodium as, as salt. Right and and gluten. So the, the two components of the molecule are, are sodium, are, are salt and glutamic acid, sure. which is literally in cheese naturally occurring, seaweed naturally occurring, uh, uh, tomatoes. Like it's like one of those like stupid stupid things. So I'll I'll use that to like to accent. No pun intended. No, uh, no sponsorship pun intended from accent. Um, I'll use, I'll use that to, to sort of bring, bring out things. I use a lot of nutritional yeast, um, in dairy and non, non-dairy applications. So like I'll amp up the flavor of cheese with nutritional yeast. Cause it kind of like, it gives it that bump. Like I, I like things that add, add those bits. I use, you know, white soy, white tamari, things that, that sort of stay in the background. You don't, don't really taste like soy sauce, but they have like a, sure anything that sort of amplifies up um the stuff the good the good tasty stuff the last one on the hot topics well the second to last one what do you think is the most essential like habit or skill to develop or learn um to be like the best kind of home chef like what do you what do you think is like the one thing to really to really know uh I don't know. Is there like, I have like boring answers to, to good questions. <laughs> whatever it is, whatever no, it is. No, keep, keep your, I mean, people are always talking about knife skills. No, right? yeah, that's, but that's a given. I mean, yeah. keep your nonstick pans nice. Don't use scrubbers. Okay. Don't throw them in the dishwasher, no matter what their manufacturer says. Use soft, wash them quickly, wash them often. Okay. Right after you use them. 
Um, cause I use nonstick pans all the time and I use inexpensive ones, but I just take really good care of them. Yeah. Also another thing people, the number one question people always ask me is like, what knife should I get for my kitchen? And then the answer that I've been giving people now is like, just get a knife that you're going to keep sharp. Like it's more important to sharpen your knives regularly than to buy a knife that you think may hold an edge longer. Okay. Because a knife it's, it's in terms of home use, it's minimal and how much longer. So like get, get something that's easy to keep them honed and keep them sharp and not like one of the, you know, one of the ones you do by your hand, but get like a roll sharp or something, something simple yeah. that after every time you use it, you use the roll sharp, get your knife sharpened professionally one time, equal angle if it's a knife like that. And then buy a roll sharp. It's like a little plastic and they sell them at, they sell them at Ikea. Okay. Those little like rolling ones and just gently exactly go three or four times, wipe your knife off, put it away. Then every time you use it, you're going to have a sharp knife. Maybe once a year, you have to get it sharpened. Once every two years, you have to get it sharpened. But if you're sure. a regular home cook, roll sharp will do you. All right. Uh, biggest uh, tips for holiday cooking because the holidays are upon us. Can you believe it? I think there's like 69 days until Christmas. If you're cooking big birds, if you're cooking turkeys, separate them or get them se- the parts separated from your butcher and cook them sous vide. Don't roast whole, whole turkeys. It's stupid. It's this like, everybody fucks them up. You know, so I, what I do, and I've been doing this for years, I separate the breasts out. I, I mean, I do something a little bit weirder, but I separate the breasts out. I cook the breast sous vide, the legs I smoke. Okay. The legs can sort of take like a slow cook braise. And then I, so the sous vide, I, and I take the skin off in one shot and then roast the skin really, really slowly. So it gets the super crispy sheet of skin. You've got breasts that are perfectly tender. You just slice them and they're like amazing. And then the legs, I mean, I'm giving you Thanksgiving and the legs are smoked. So, or just cook sous vide. It takes the, it takes the, it makes the things that you want to be juicy, the juiciest they could possibly be. Who, uh, who from the show do you still keep in touch with? A lot of people. Elia, yeah. who is super successful in Las Vegas right now. She opened up a restaurant called Boom Bang Foods. Boom Bang Fine Foods. She's doing great. I love her. She's got two beautiful children. Um, we've, we've probably been the closest. Like we're, She helped Amazing. me open my restaurant. I've, you know, we've, we've worked together. We've done, we've, we're, we're great. I've been to, sure. you know. Um, so Elia, I talked to Michael Midgley, of course, we've done a bunch of stuff together for fun. He was on knife fight. Uh, Elliot was on Elliot judge on knife fight. Yeah. Elliot judge on knife fight. Um, uh, Mike Midgley, Sam Talbot. We talk a lot. Um, I love that guy. I've been talking, uh, I've been talking to Mia recently <laughs> at, sort of out of the blue. She, we, we connected on Instagram. Um, uh, Josie, I see from time to time. Whenever I'm okay. in Miami, I see Josie. I did that event that I did last year. Uh, yeah. Josie came by and just hung out. It was great to hang Josie. out with Josie. I'm, I'm Josie. friends with most of you, I think, still on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, enough, my I Facebook got hacked, so I haven't had a Facebook in a long time. Yeah, so yeah, I keep I keep in touch with Betty a lot. Betty, um, Betty, I talked to. I was when I first moved to LA. Betty was. I, I spent a lot of time with Betty and then when I opened up the restaurant, you know, yeah. the restaurant, but, um, but I, I, I talked to Betty, I saw Betty, we had lunch like a few months ago. She was in New York with her, with her boyfriend and we had lunch at Peter Luger. It was great. 
I tell so I tell everyone when Grub was still open, I would be like, if you want to have the best bacon in all of Los Angeles, yeah. you have to go to Grub. It was um, amazing. Yeah, I I talked to Cliff. I was seeing him more more often than when I left New York. I didn't see him for a while, but we stay in touch. He's killing it right now. He's on Food Network like every day. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I'm so glad because yeah. he's great in front of the camera, and he's he sure is great. Um, you keep in touch with the Padma and Tom and Gail and all that. Um, I mean, I see them, see yeah. them at all the stuff. I've, uh, uh, yeah, I think, I think probably out of all them. I mean, I went, you know, I went to the Emmys with Gail and her, yeah. and her husband. Um, and I was in a weird row. It was me. I wasn't even in with with Gail. The seats that Andy Cohen got us got me. I was in LA for a totally different thing when season two was up for up for um, for best reality. And yeah, I got to I got like the extra seats. And and Andy Cohen the night before was like, you got to get a tux. I found you tickets. Uh, we were at this like Top Chef thing at Spago, and so um, so he got me tickets, and I went with Gail. That was really funny, and um, her husband Jeremy, and uh, and we were like in the room where Padma was getting ready. It was super weird, and then um, and then I was in a row sitting at the Emmys with with tim gunn um uh kathy griffin <laughs> uh, a couple of other runway people and it was just so weird it was, and i i took a picture with al gore and uh and al gore and padma and like, it was very very strange <laughs> so um, but yeah no i, 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 I see year, i think i think was Gail, that the year but, that um, al gore won is that me he, oh, I think so. Yeah, I think I so. To, he was, yeah, I he went was, to work for him for after that. I, I, really random story. I was working at E News, uh, in their news department, and then Al Gore's company came and poached me, and it was so weird. I was working for. I went to work for Current TV, and I just yeah. remember they were like, "Oh, we have one more person." I went for. The, they flew me to San Francisco for the interview process, and they were like, "Oh, we have one more person for you to meet." And I was like, "Okay, cool." And I'm like sitting in a room, and fucking Al Gore walks in, and like, and I'm like. <laughs> what the fuck is happening right now? This is so <laughs> fucking weird. Like, and I talked to him for 10 minutes and then I got the job and I moved back to San Francisco. <laughs> but I remember at like our holiday parties, like doing sake bombs with the guy. And I was like, this is <laughs> wild. Just fucking wild, wild. wild. Well, I appreciate your time. I, of course. I, um, thank you enough uh, for coming on. What, what's going on today? You have anything you want to push, plug, or you saw him pop some pants uh, on QVC? Well, I mean, I mean, <laughs> No, I'm not selling any pots of pens. Um, uh, no, I mean, Easy Easy Bake is on right now. Easy Bake is top 10 in the country, in US and UK right now. Yes. So that's awesome. I've yeah. never been on a top 10. I mean, I guess Top Chef was a top, I don't know how to It was for things, the time. But it was for the time. Um, four, almost 4 million for the finale. Still the highest finale watched ever. Top no, 10. crazy. Just saying. I'm telling um, you, that season, those first couple of seasons were something. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, no, that's it. I'm, you know, always working on stuff. You'll see me around. I'm trying to work on TV stuff. Good. Everybody buys well, buy stuff that I'm selling. Keep it up. And if uh, you want to work on something together, holler at me. You know, hey, you never right. know. <laughs> well, thank you so um, much, Woody. Thank you, my friend. And hey, I get back to New York in a couple of weeks and let's go yeah. have dinner or something when I get give back. Hey, um, do me a favor and just will you give me uh, uh you're listening to What's Up, Woody? Or this is Lon Hall and you're listening to What's Up, Woody? 
This is Elon Hall, and you're listening to What's Up, Woody. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. Of course. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right, bye. Bye. bye.